This is Leisha Holmes and I am your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I'm so thrilled and excited to be welcoming to our channel today someone that I've been following avidly for a couple of years and to those who are avid on LinkedIn will be a very familiar face I hope. This is Christina Robinson who is an online marketing and branding specialist. She's the MD of Green Umbrella Marketing and I'm so happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited to um, to be doing this with you. It's like we've we've talked on Clubhouse, dare I mention it, and we've we've engaged on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. But it's like actually just the two of us having a conversation. I know we're not face to face, but I can actually see you and you're talking to me. It's like this is this is this is new for us. This is new. It's first for us. And, and we're recording this now, obviously, but we've been talking offline for about 15, 20 minutes. We've covered everything from face cream to parenting to children, literally covered marketing events. We've covered quite a lot. So this is I think this is going to be a very high energy episode, which is why I wanted you on today. So for those who aren't yet familiar with you, give us an overview of who you are and what your business does. Okay, so I'm MD here at Green Umbrella Marketing. Business has, for the last 11 years, been helping independent recruiters to level the playing field when it comes to social media and digital marketing. So social media, organic social media is really my sweet spot. That's where I kind of get the, the best results and do, do the most work. But we cover email marketing. We talk about content creation, that sort of stuff as well. We do you know what I really believe in having an integrated approach so we even do design and print as well um, but I've been part of the business for the last eight nine years came in as a as a freelancer doing just a few hours a week turned into a part-time role turned into a full-time PAYE role and fast forward to 2019 we went through a management buyout and I became sole owner of the business which was really exciting right up until the point I signed the bit of paper and realized that actually nothing much was going to change other than I could see the balance in the bank account and I was suddenly a chunk less well off <laughs> um but yeah it's I mean what a fantastic world to to work in with recruitment it's just there's so much going on all the time and with independent recruiters as well I really get to dip into lots and lots of different sectors and just talk marketing all day long which is is very much my passion Definitely. And that's something that unites us. And I think that if I was to think of anyone better to come and talk about having their finger on the pulse of what's happening with independent recruitment companies and their brand strategy, that's why I was so keen to get you on today. So thank you for joining us. And that's, I love that potted history and you know your passion absolutely oozes through. So in terms of how you use social media, so you're doing this on behalf of your client base and you just mentioned the phrase they're levelling the playing field. Well, as we record this now, we're coming to the end of quarter one in 2021. Um, what do you think or how does social media play a part in levelling the field, regardless of the size of a recruitment business? So I think that we have really committed to our brand. We, we're really, really clear on that. We are really making sure that actually we have that consistency. And the reality is when you have a consistent presence people believe that you're built on solid ground, okay? Now, when you think about businesses that are on solid ground, you kind of think about the bigger player in, players in the market. Mm. So actually, when we start to put that into context, it doesn't matter if you are 
you know, someone literally earlier today, I've spoken to someone, they started their independent recruitment agency, one person last August, in, you know, what was that? We were just going into the second lockdown, essentially, you know, we all knew it was going to happen. They started then and we're talking today about the strategies and, you know, who their competitors are, much bigger agencies, some of the nationals as well. And you're just kind of looking at it and going, right, where's where's the difference? Well, actually, when you look at LinkedIn and you're putting the content side by side, your content's more interesting. Right. Actually, you're appearing as the person that really knows this sector rather than the that that kind of like national brand that just does a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the that's the key, really. Even if you are a generalist recruiter, you can really, really just kind of go, I know my space and own it. And because you've got that confidence, people believe you've got this massive thing behind you. Mm-hmm. And to the point where they don't even they don't even really question it. No. And they don't really care, actually, because I think what most buying decision makers want to know about, regardless of what the, the sector is, is can you help me with my pain point, which is finding this talent? And that's ultimately what it comes down to, isn't it? You know, our, our audience is all recruiters, of course. And, you know, we like to say it's an aspiring and inspiring podcast for people to listen to who are hoping to go into leadership or maybe launch on their own. And I think content marketing has become such a huge topic and learn for everybody, certainly since COVID began in 2020, that it's the most talked about thing. You know, we don't really talk about sales anymore. We don't really talk about cold calls. We talk about what's your content strategy. And that's where I think what you do as a business and what you share, what you share is so it, it's simple for people to adapt, isn't it really? And understand that you, you can be that one person that you've just talked about competing with a, a national recruitment agency. Cause ultimately it's about what he knows or what she knows about that market and how they communicate that. Absolutely. And you know, we have this kind of marriage between personal brand and company brand. Mm. And I think this is where actually the smaller your business is, the easier that is to achieve. Mm. You know, if you think about think about your business, think about your team. Mm. It's your essentially your social strategy is an extension of the lifeblood of your business. Yeah. If we look at someone that is, let's say that they've got, they've got a thousand employees in yeah. the business up and down the UK. Well, actually, that recruitment consultant that's based in the Midlands, you know, they're, they're just sitting there rocking up every day, doing their work, shifting a few CVs around because that's the culture that they're they're existing within. Yeah. They're not that they're not married into the culture and they might have posters on the wall and the, the rest of it. But it's, you know, that business is having to do a lot to try and kind of get that through to everyone and really you know pump it into the veins of those employees so actually what you see out there from a social perspective what you're seeing through the content is something that is inauthentic it's something that's very very manufactured Mm. and again this is this is what really does level that playing ground yeah okay because you you might only you might only be a recruiter with five people in the team but actually, if everything that oozes out of your pores is, I know my business, I know my sector, I know my candidates, I know my clients, you, you can't fake that. No, you can't. And, and I totally agree with everything you said. But you know that it could be scalable if the business leaders and the, and the decision makers 
stopped focusing so much on that broader company corporate message and allowed personal brand to become that person's USP within their market. Because if I think about, you know, turn the clock back 10 years ago when, you know, okay, maybe slightly longer before LinkedIn became so dominant, you would write your business plan each year. This is what I'm going to achieve on my desk. These are the, this is the SWOT analysis effectively. Um, you know, this is where I'm going to achieve my revenue stream. This, these are the activities I'm going to go and do. Right, I'll go and do it. You can still do those things and measure those metrics, but actually part of that needs to be what is your brand message still within a large corporate business and allowing people to do that. And, and you know, I, I find myself having that conversation quite frequently with larger scale businesses that there's almost this disparity, they think, between company brand and company, the EVP and personal brand. But there, there isn't a disconnect because you're hiring no. your values. Absolutely. But, you know, there's also this reticence when it comes in those types of businesses business this reticence to oh yeah we don't really want to get into the personal brands thing though because you know we'll invest and then that person will leave and blah 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 and it's like well be better so people don't go simple yeah. as that but also you know that business plan that individual in your business when they're looking at developing their personal brand and what they should be achieving from that it should marry back to those business goals it's not a case of we've got a business plan over here and, you know, over here, this is my personal brand and they're, they're working in silo. It's like, actually, the personal brand is a tool. It's personal brand is part of your marketing arsenal, you know. So if I think about my business, you know, we use, we use email marketing. We'll use direct mail from time to time. We use Facebook. We use Twitter. We use LinkedIn. We use social advertising and we use my personal brand. It's one of my tools. Yeah. It's not, I'm marketing Green Umbrella and I'm marketing Christina Robinson. Okay, Christina Robinson is marketing the business. I've got bits of paper, I won't show them, but I literally have bits of paper. Look, pick flash. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're listening on audio, you'll have to go and find that bit in the video now on YouTube. But, you know, I literally have on the wall next to me visuals from my business plan this is how many leads we need this week in the business now I use my personal brands to help me achieve those leads and my email marketing my social media and you know everything comes together and I think this this is the problem we, we just and it's not just recruitment it's outside of recruitment as well which I think is really important for recruiters to understand actually that personal brand so many employers are kind of seeing it as this it's this badge that people are going to have and if we help people to achieve it themselves it's you know it's not money well spent because it's just going to disappear with that individual and I'm like actually investing in the personal brand of your people is going to do massive things for your brand overall. It's done correctly. As we're building a personal brand, we can transfer those people we're bringing on board back to the business brand as well, into the email databases, that, that kind of stuff. And also, who wouldn't want to work for a company that invests in their people? 
Absolutely. Definitely. I think that there's always this worry around intellectual property, you know, and sort of who owns what. And, and I think, you know, don't get so caught up in all that. Think about, and I've always maintained this, regardless of whether we're talking about branding or not, that successful recruitment business owners, whether you've got five or 500 people, allow people to run their desk as if it's a business within a business, because then you will get, you will bring out their natural flow. You will bring out their natural skill set, and, and I promise you that empowered approach, you will maximize the margins regardless of what the desk is and that then includes their marketing strategy do you know whenever i hear that ip thing thrown around it's like oh, we can't do because you know the, the you know the ip will get shared i'm like have you heard of this thing called the internet there's this there's this thing called the internet and there's this thing called google yeah. okay like don't get me wrong if i ever if i ever come across a client who has something that when you pump it into Google, there is no result there, then yeah, I'm going to be a hundred percent of like protecting their stuff. Absolutely. Of course I am. But you know, it's like, you know, be realistic. There's a lot of CV tips online already, guys. Don't worry about your secrets being given away. Like, you know, really? We're not doing anything that original, really. We're people dealing with people, aren't we? I agree with you totally. I love that. So well, that leads very nicely to my next question, which is. You, you are in a privileged position because you get to speak to lots and lots of different companies. You get to see how people do things well and maybe not so well. So what, have you, what are a few of your pet hates? What, what should people avoid doing? We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies, and we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy, which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me and you're an owner of a business or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this program. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
Jumping into something just because you think it's cool. Okay. So uh, let's say video, for example. Right. Okay, let's let's rewind a couple of years where like, you know, everyone's going like video, 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 video. Okay, this is the best type of content you can have on have. So everyone starts doing video. So then we get lots of videos where it's like you're, you know, people are not quite in shot or they are on oh, my favorite videos of like, every, you know, loads of videos of like the bottom of someone's chin and their torso with a seatbelt, which is never flattering. No. And like the, the, the video is kind of obstructed by the steering wheel as well. And it's like, I need to do a video and everyone's doing videos outside. So I'm gonna do a video in my car. And it's like, we start to see all these really crap videos of people in their cars. And it's just like, oh yeah, but video is important. We need to do video. It's like actually every piece of content has to deliver value it has to present you in the way that you want to be perceived, okay? And if you're really clear on the way you want to be perceived, you'll have an idea of what your values are. And that's all, that's all part of your, you should all be part of your strategy, your business strategy, as well as your marketing, your, your social media strategy. Yeah. So I think it is, it's that kind of bandwagonitis. It's the type of content where something's trending today. So let's all jump on and, and, and do that. So, um, Black Lives Matter is a, an example within lockdown, um, and I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't support the movement, but one of my best examples of someone jumping on the, you know, something just because it's a trend. So this PR, this PR company, and um, they had a team photo. And on this photo, it basically says, we support Black Lives Matter. And there was not one face that you could tick a box on that said anything other than white British. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, it was just a, now obviously I'm making assumptions and there might be, it might've been other nationalities, et cetera. And, but, you know, as you look at this, it's like everyone's wearing the same kind of, they're all in their suits, but you can kind of see, okay, here, this, this here, and this one image is the culture of this business and it doesn't support it doesn't look to be supporting D and I. No, and it's disingenuous, isn't it, to suggest that for a minute? Or, or you could, like you say, rather than us making an unconsciously biased decision that they're all Caucasian of a certain time, you could say, well, actually, even though you know he he's from wherever, you know, he's brought, born in South Africa, whatever it could be, we shouldn't make assumptions. But you're right. Mm. I think people, yeah, and I think people do make massive. You know, they, they think that I'm going to jump on the on a hashtag on LinkedIn or whatever it might be because everyone's telling me to. I mean, I, I've got one massive pet hate and it's TikTok. Why are people using TikTok? I don't know what you think about that because to me, it is a young per. It, and I'm saying that as the mother of a young, of young two young people in their teens, they won't let me go on TikTok. They prevent me from it because to them, it's about brand. It's not about company. What are you using it for? What are your thoughts on TikTok? So TikTok, Instagram, same thing again. It's, it's trendy. It's cool. Everyone, everyone's on there. Okay, so what? Do you know what, recruiters? When I, we look at the UK usage of LinkedIn, it's only like 35 40% of UK adults 16 and over that use LinkedIn. Okay, right. YouTube is something like 78 80%. Facebook is about 75 73 75%. Gosh. Um 
WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, similar percentages. Okay. Mm. It, it, it's quite tricky to get UK figures. Mm. Um, those figures are based on 2020 usage in the UK. Gosh. And it kind of gets updated every every quarter. So, you know, that is pretty bang on. Yeah. What we've seen recently is this upsurge in, in Instagram in terms of usage. We've seen an up, you know, an increase in TikTok in terms of usage. Doesn't mean it's going to make you money, folks. No. You know, no. at the end of the day. So actually, you know, your client base, talk to them. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, do you use social media? What platforms do you use? Yeah. You know, I saw this, you know, people keep talking to me about TikTok. Do you use TikTok? Mm -hmm. And if you ask 10 people and and nine out of 10 of them say no, right now, it's probably not worth you investing time in that platform. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Instagram at the minute, like I said, we're seeing a massive surge in usage in Instagram just between sort of January and now on a worldwide level. Yeah. So everyone's like, you know, Instagram's taking over Facebook forgetting that Facebook owns Instagram. I don't know, yeah. And WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. But also forgetting that part of that that surge in usage is actually because Clubhouse is the, you know, the 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 new kid on the block when it comes to social media. They've literally just passed their first birthday. I think in, if we went back to like the first, second of January, they had like 2 million users, something like that. And it's gone up to 13 million users in that time. Right, gosh. The only live links in your Clubhouse bio are to an Instagram account or a Twitter account. Everyone's response to Twitter is, oh, well, I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're creating Instagram accounts or they're starting to use that dormant Instagram account on a daily basis now because that's how they get that's how they get something out of the clubhouse platform so people are going oh yeah instagram's really growing we really need to do something there now but it's kind of it's like a a false growth yeah you know it's you know if clubhouse disappears in three months time all those users will disappear from instagram again they've done it for a purpose haven't they it's interesting Mm. i mean we've always measured actual where where do we get our business from and although we've got very good brand awareness, I think both key recruitment and then me individually on Instagram. I mean, I use Instagram more for me, nothing to do with recruitment. I, I share pictures of food on there and, you know, my dog, that's pretty much it. Uh, the occasional key recruitment video, um, but it's it's all LinkedIn. Everybody mm-hmm. comes, if they're not coming to us through a recommendation, it's all through LinkedIn. And I mean, we're going to come on to Clubhouse in a moment, but we still have a Facebook page, but it's for brand awareness and... I think that people genuinely, if they are a recruitment leader looking to hire or they're a recruitment professional looking for a role, they do it through LinkedIn. They don't do it through Facebook or Instagram. So I agree Absolutely. with you. I think there's a lot of um, sort of jumping on bandwagon. I like, but what did you call it? Bandwagonitis? Bandwagonitis, yeah. That's from, that might be the name of the podcast, I think. Do you know, I was, I was on a, um, I was having a conversation the other day, we were talking about like national days of the year and and that sort of stuff. And I said, I actually, I'd like to create a bandwagonitis day or uh, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks day. Yeah, that's a good idea. I was a a guest on, um, Kerri-Ann Hargreaves runs um, her station. She she runs a business in the the Midlands and she's started a new series, the room, uh, the recruitment room 101. (gasps) Oh! And I was only allowed three things, Christina. And I kept changing. I had to, over the few days before the podcast, I was, I kept changing it. I was like, what, what else can I put in the room? Can I gulp 
group about 10 things into one. So that's definitely one to listen out for. It's been very useful to, to hear what your pet hates are because I think people will respect what you're talking about. And I think it will resonate with people because we've all had to become marketing specialists. It's definitely a hat that everybody has had to put on over the last year. Um, and rightly so, because ultimately you are responsible even pre-COVID, you are responsible for marketing what you do as a recruiter. You are responsible to your clients who are relying on you to find them the best talent and those individuals that are looking for a new role. So I think it was about time we shifted the sort of mindset a little bit. So Clubhouse. Now, obviously, you and I have been in a room. You, you run your regular slot. When's your regular slot? Is it Wednesday at so, one? Yeah, Wednesdays at one o'clock. I do a recruitment marketing related room. Okay. Very, very niche. Yes, it is. So what are your thoughts on, we're recording this, by the time this goes out, who knows, it might be here, might not be, but Clubhouse, what do you see its growth projection? So I was more hopeful about four weeks ago than I am today in yeah. terms of its future. Okay. At the end, I think we've got a, it's like a race to Android. Mm. So Twitter has created its equivalent called Twitter Spaces. And they've now committed to have that um, you know, completely out there, all users, all devices by the end of April. Wow. Clubhouse has only just recruited its Android developer. Wow. And so, you know, we, we're talking months. We're talking months before it's on Android. You know, and, and I think that there's this fantastic FOMO around Clubhouse, mm. um, but it's almost dragging out too long now this yeah. whole kind of it not getting to android is dragging out too long and i think whereas people back in december you know november december january time people going oh it's a really clever marketing creating the fomo etc 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 whereas actually now people are going like you know really come on guys yeah you know we, we, we're living in a world of inclusivity absolutely why on earth is it not and why is it invite only you know i mean i've got about yeah. At any one time, I must have a dozen invites sat there waiting to go. Um, I agree with you. I think I got introduced to it mid-January time. And maybe just because of what I've gone through in my personal journey or maybe the age that I'm at, but I, just, I have JOMO generally. Uh, and I'd promised myself for 2021 onwards that I, because I've never worked so hard in my life as I did in 2020, I was going to do less, not more. Um, and so when I heard there was another social app, which meant running these amazing, you know, live webinar, podcasts, whatever, you, however you want to describe what Clubhouse actually is, I, my, I, I groaned actually. And then I think it's Martin Dangerfield that invited me into his R circle, um, our tribe circle. And then I thought, right, let's give this a go. And actually I do run a, a weekly room like you, which is once a week. I think it has a place in your social media strategy for inviting people in we we have i do it with two other direct direct companies so it's not just my brand it's two three brands and we invite people onto the stage to talk about things that are not necessarily just recruitment so it might be about mindset it might be about we've got one tonight about performance coach and how to bring out your online persona so it's all about performance and presentation skills that kind of thing half an hour we stick to the half hour format um so do i think it'll still be around in a year's time I think as, as the world unlocks, we're going to become more time poor again. And I think we will choose very selectively where we then spend that online time. Yeah, I think I think part of the, the thing with Clubhouse, whether it is Clubhouse itself, whether it gets bought by someone else or whether 
it fades away and we're left with Twitter spaces and we, Twitter has a resurgence. This form of content is not going anywhere because it's allowed so many more people to come to the stage. Okay, there are so many people that they wouldn't have presented a webinar. You invited them as a speaker, they would never do it. The thought of putting a video on social, no, 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 no. And they've turned up in these rooms, they've nervously raised their hand and been up on stage and offered some insight or advice or asked a question and been involved in a conversation and actually have been made to feel that, you know, they've received some validity. Yes. And it's given them that confidence. And actually now, if they were asked to speak in an event on a stage, they wouldn't say no because that gap has been bridged. Yeah. So I think it, I think the, the content form will stay. Mm. And I think that it has a very, 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 very valuable place. But I don't think that necessarily lead generation is going to be the thing we get out of it. Okay, not, not on scale. No. so the the reason that I oh yeah I could do a room on marketing mm. I've chosen to run a room on recruitment marketing specifically because the only people coming into that you know, why would you go into that room if you're not interested in recruitment marketing yeah. I know I agree with you I'm never going to get hundreds of people in there but the people I do get in there are either yeah they they're my future partners they're my 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 future introducers they're my future clients they are advocates you're creating a community I think of it as a community now and we're getting you know I don't know a dozen 20 people into our room and that's fine by me because it means that more people are more likely to put their hand up um, and I agree with what you're saying now I think it's a great and a great conduit for people to see that they can have a value um, but I think I think there's a limit to how you if you see it as a business development tool don't in the same way that when you like when I do my podcast I'm not doing this in a contrived way that oh somebody might watch this and then they might contact me because I was dealing with this no to me it's adding value all the time and it's creating you to for you to think about how you're going to improve something and if you drop into a clubhouse room and you learn something you'll remember where you learned it and I think that's I think that's why I, w- I was concerned for my audience who were recruitment leaders potentially running quite big teams because I think how would you manage people working remotely and not encourage them to go on this because it could be a massive distraction but actually when I, I have actually advised a lot of my clients on Clubhouse I've invited them especially those who are in things like digital tech I'm like you should be on there but make it a, a once a week KPI if you want to make it a KPI just let them run one room a week and that should be it yeah and that's really valuable people are throwing away valuable time into this app Mm. they're sitting on there for hours and hours and hours on end and it's you can learn loads you can learn loads so treat it like radio okay let it have have it playing in the background yeah okay if you if you get a little notification because someone you know is in a room doesn't mean you have to join you can turn those off if you want to you know, if you if you're listening to something, something pops up and it says, you know, come be on stage. So, you know, be the grown up. It's up to you whether you click that button or not. Absolutely. You know, it's and a lot of these rooms are they're happening on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So choose your slot. If the best time of your day, it like say so for me, five to seven, I'm like room hopping. I'm just like, you know, jumping in and out, finding something I want to listen to. Okay, because that's a good time of my day to do that. I'll listen to things, I'll listen to rooms, 
up until about half eight, nine o'clock yeah. in the morning. But I don't engage. Very, very rarely do I engage because at that time I'm organizing my to-do list for the day and yeah. you know, get getting stuff sorted, get my head straight for the day ahead. Yeah. I've got I Clubhouse isn't a priority for me at that point. Yeah. Sometimes I have it on in the background, sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's about really, really pinning it down and almost treating it like these are appointment slots in my diary. Absolutely. That's really important. That's exactly the recommendation I make to my clients. Make it as any you would any appointment in your diary. I block off half an hour before my room so I can have a have a think about what we're going to talk about, have some sort of structure to it. Um, as I would do with the podcast, you know, I'll spend about half an hour planning the podcast, but it will go with the flow a little bit, see who comes in the room, um, do your half. And I think half hour, 45 minutes. There've been some rooms I've been in where they've literally gone on and I've left after an hour thinking, crikey, Charlie, have you got nothing else to do? Where it's just continued and continued. And I think, well, there you go. You could have an, a weekly room doing that room. So I think that's really, really useful advice. Now, I don't know whether in your beautiful backdrop, backdrop for those who are listening, she's got a beautiful backdrop of green umbrella marketing behind you do you have a crystal ball to predict are there any things that we should be watching out for over the next 12 months in in from social media perspective or marketing you know all the developments at the minute have been over the last six months all of the developments have been e-commerce related everything's been around sort of shopping online you know we're already in a world where you do everything through your mobile phone Mm-hmm. yeah so you, you'll get to a point you don't need any other devices in your world it's like you can all do it you can do it all through that so I think we're just going to move closer and closer to that I think that people want to speak one-to-one so social media wise we're going to see more ways of that happening through the social media apps that integration between sort of whatsapp and now, whether it's WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger or Signal or Telegram, whatever one-to-one messaging you want to use, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that develop further and further and further. But the reality, the reality is, is that we just don't know. We never know. Mm-hmm. And everything is constantly changing. The algorithms are constantly changing. The, the, the tools are constantly changing. The one thing that never changes is the fact that if you are just selling, you won't get anywhere with social. If you just rely on social media as the only thing you do marketing wise, you won't get anywhere. Okay, so your social media should be part of the bigger picture. I was using an analogy of a house. You, you go into buy a house, you view all these properties, you find the dream property. This is the one you're excited, you go back, you tell everyone about it. I was like, oh, there's this, you know, there's this water feature in the garden or it's the breakfast bar, the bay window, it's in the master bedroom, the view from the master bedroom, I can't talk, master bedroom. No one ever says, oh my God, Leisha, I've seen this house. I've like, I've fallen in love with it. The cement is orgasmic. And yet without without that cement, the whole thing falls down. There's nothing holding it together. That's what your social media needs to do. Your social media needs to value. It needs to showcase all the all the fantastic things that you're doing in your business. People need to see you. Your social media gives people that window into your world. So whatever platform, whoever you're talking to, 
how, whether you're committing 100% or 10%, whatever the, the latest trend is, you know, all, all of that stuff. Mm. If we're not offering value, if we're not allowing people to see into who we are, yeah. it's not going to work. Right. I love that analogy, by the way. That, that's a contender for the name of the podcast. The mint is orgasmic. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever put that sentence together before. <laughs> No, it's really useful. And um, I would like to add to that voice. I think that voice is going to be a really big part of, uh, of, of our future. Do you know, I think it's going to be. So voice is interesting. So I do think there is very much like voice is the thing. We've seen this increase of new podcasts coming online. Obviously Clubhouse, we've already talked about Twitter spaces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we've expected this increase in voice in the, over the last couple of years, and it just doesn't seem to be coming quickly enough. No, it's interesting. So, yeah, so I'm just kind of like, is it going to be the next, is it ever going to be the big thing? Or is it going to be something that just very quietly grows in the background and it just sort of creeps up on us rather than it being a bang, this is the trend? I think, it, I definitely think it's going to be the former because I know that I use voice notes on LinkedIn. I use them on Messenger. I use them on WhatsApp. I think that voice is very powerful and impactful, but pe some people are still a bit awkward about it. And they say, well, you know, they'd rather reply on an email. So I, I think that could be a, a grower as opposed to a, a massive thing that just comes and hits us on the face. Well, it's been very useful. As I knew, it would be a very enjoyable podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. We'll make sure we get everything shared so people can follow you if they're not already doing so, including your clubhouse room. And I look forward to seeing you again. Awesome. Thanks, Leisha. Thanks so much. You're welcome.